from the Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. We're going to talk with two members of Michigan's congressional delegation today about the massive infrastructure bill that was passed last week. Debbie Dingle and Dan Kildee will join to talk about what it will all mean for Michigan on many fronts and what it means that most of the progressive elements of this bill were left out. We'll also ask Kildy about the settlement for victims of the Flint water crisis. That's all next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. Good day and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson and as always, I'm really glad you've decided to join us. President Joe Biden is expected to sign his historic trillion dollar infrastructure package today. Michigan is going to get about $10 billion from that legislation, which would be a huge shot in the arm for our efforts to fix the roads, bridges, and all of the underground infrastructure that has really been giving us fits in recent years. We're going to talk about the package and what it means here in Michigan all hour today with two members of Congress who voted in favor of the package. A little later, we'll hear from Congressman Dan Kildee, who's also going to address what this means for efforts to replace lead service lines and other water infrastructure in his hometown of Flint. But first, I'd like to welcome Congresswoman Debbie Dingell to the show to talk about it. She's a Democrat from Dearborn, represents Michigan's 12th congressional district. Debbie, always great to have you here on Detroit Today. Stephen, good morning to everybody listening. It's always good to be with you. Yes. So uh, before we get into the specifics of this package, reflect a little bit on the size of this investment and what it means in a broad sense for our nation's infrastructure. There are a lot of people who think this number should be much bigger than it is. Some people, I think, still believe it should be smaller. Why is this the right amount of money to spend at this time? So first of all, we could get agreement on it. And I think we need to look at how many presidents, Republicans and Democrats, have said we need to fix our infrastructure and have been unable to do so. Our roads and bridges are comparable to any third world country in the world. That isn't something that we should be proud of. The amount of money that's going to come into just Michigan is 7.3. Uh, billion for our roads and almost another 600 for uh, million for our bridges. It's time. We part of our even as we're talking about what's happening with inflation, what's happening on logistics and supply chains. Our roads are so bad, and our ports and our transportation uh, sector is falling behind. So we got agreement, significant, we got bipartisan agreement. We're investing in fixing our roads and bridges. We should have done it four decades ago. After this investment, we need to find a way that we maintain these roads and bridges so they never get in the condition they're in again, like hmm. they are right now. And, and let's talk a little about the effort to get this passed. This has been a long time in the making. I think for a lot of people, that was a little bit of a surprise because Democrats have control of both the House and the Senate. And of course, Joe Biden is a Democrat in the White House. But we did see some real debate and argument about the size and nature of this bill. And it was a, it was not just about Democrats versus Republicans. It was among Democrats. You have wide disagreement. Talk about what it took to get to this point where we've got something that passed and can be signed? So I would say to you that Democrats all share the same values. Many were concerned uh, that there would not be enough votes for some of the other critical things that we will be considering this week in Build Back Better and did not want to vote for one package without the other. 
I also think, by the way, that we've had two United States senators that have had a disparate impact on all of this. I have 400, there are 435 members of the U.S. House of Representatives, Republican or Democrat. They represent their districts, their constituents. They've got a right to be heard. They've got a right to have input into this process. And so we need to take that time to listen to each other, get different perspectives, find the common ground. We did that. At some point, you got to move and pass. It probably took too long, but today the bill is going to become law. Hmm. Uh, I'm talking with Congresswoman Debbie Dingell. She's a Democrat from Dearborn who represents Michigan's 12th congressional district. We are talking about the infrastructure package that passed last week and that Joe Biden, the president of the United States, is expected to sign Today, we're talking about what's in the package, what it will do for us here in Michigan, and also about what it took to get this passed, uh, even though Democrats control both houses of Congress and, of course, uh, we have a president uh, who is a Democrat in the White House. Uh, give us a call if you want to join the conversation. How are you feeling about the passage of this $1 trillion federal infrastructure package? Uh, what are your hopes for what it will mean for us here and Michigan. And how do you feel about it being signed before the larger Build Back Better social spending bill uh, has been taken up? Uh, that is on tap this week in, in Washington. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET uh, Facebook page uh, and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll try to work you into the conversation that way. Before we get to listeners, uh, Debbie, I want to ask about this $10 billion that is coming here to help real, rebuild our infrastructure in Michigan. What will that mean for your constituents and everyone else? So there are many different things in this bill. We were just talking about the roads and the bridges. And, you know, Governor Whitmer campaigned on Fix the Damn Roads. And sort of the irony of last Saturday when I got home after voting on the infrastructure bill, I got out of the car, put my foot in a pothole, tripped, and did this wonderful fall everywhere. You could hear the cleft of gasp of everybody. And I said, this is what we're going to fix. But there's also a lot of other things in this bill. I'm very proud of the lead. I was one of the people that led getting the lead out of every pipe in this country. It was in the Energy and Commerce Committee. Flint taught us or highlighted what happens when people don't pay attention. But now you're seeing Benton Harbor, Hamtramck. There are nine cities right now just in Michigan that are having lead alerts in their water. And this is happening across the country. Quite frankly, we didn't, we had, for Michigan, we, according to the NRDC and studies that they've done, we need about 1.65 to get the lead out of every pipe in Michigan. The infrastructure bill has 1.3 billion and Build Back Better will have the other 3.5. And I'm gonna tell you, as a member of Congress, I'm not just turning these dollars going to the state. I am tracking every one of them. And I wanna know which cities in my district have any lead, what we gotta do, how much it's gonna cost and how we're gonna get the money there. And this is really important. But on top of that, this pandemic has showed us the inequities in access to broadband, high-speed internet. This bill is going to bring high-speed internet to both rural areas and urban areas uh, that need it so much. And I wanna keep Michigan at the forefront of mobility. We put the world on wheels. Now we wanna stay the leader in mobility. We are leading on electric vehicles. China's trying to take it from us. We got to build up those EV chargers. We'll be able to do that as well. So and there's just there's a lot of things in here that are really going to make a difference for the people of Michigan. And we have to make sure that these dollars don't go to a legislature that just sits on them and doesn't spend them. They are targeted at getting to every local area in Michigan, and we've got to make sure that they do. Hmm. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter. Put comments there, and we'll work you into the show that way. Let's start today with Albaro in Detroit. Albaro, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, I, I'm glad to talk, and I, you know, I'm really happy to hear that uh, 
that the United States is making such a big investment into infrastructure and these things that we're talking about. But, you know, like I still think that it's not focused on the right things. And, you know, so much of the climate has gotten so politicized into this is what's good and this is what isn't that um, what I'm really disappointed with is the fact that we aren't seeing more investments into alternative transportation like rails, you know, like Europe has one, you know, even China has one. I think in the United States, there's one uh, rail in the entire country that can be considered a high speed rail um, that is a 50 mile stretch on the east coast and you know this is part of the reason that our roads aren't good you know because this is the only form of transportation we really have you know planes or driving and uh and for some reason this country is singularly focused on you know evs are are great and you know this is something that's going to be helpful but there needs to be more options you know when it comes to transportation in the united states that isn't just flying and that isn't just driving across this country hmm. uh albaro i'm really glad you called and and asked that question thanks so much for listening uh debbie why not more on well, public transit he is right and there is money in there uh in this in infrastructure to improve healthy sustainable transportation options for a million of americans so right now, Michiganders who take public transportation spend an extra 67.7% of their time commuting. And non-white households are 5.6 times more likely to commute via public transportation. In other words, he's right. And we know how bad the bus system is. We know how bad uh, the public transit system is. Uh, and 17% of the transit vehicles that are in these fleets in the state of Michigan are past useful life. So just based on the funding formula, some of these dollars from the infrastructure will go just based on the formula, formula funding. There'll be grants separately, but just on the formula funding, Michigan will get over a billion dollars for over five years so that they can improve public transportation options across the state. The other thing, Stephen, is you know I've been saying this since June when we had our first flood and people want to know is this are these dollars going to help us build resiliency? Mm -hmm. We have to be able to go after these dollars. We've got to be ready. We've got to have the projects ready and work together as a region. You know, public transportation doesn't know when it crosses a city line. I mean, it does. It's regional. We need regional transportation and the same on water and flooding. It doesn't stop. Oh, I'm at the Dearborn City Inn. I'm going to stop because I'm getting to Detroit or I'm getting to Melvindale. Or we have to work as a region and be ready to go after these grants are going to be competitive with other states and cities. And we need to get as many dollars as we can, which means we've got to work together to go after them. Mm. Uh, why not more specific targeting of public transit and public transit options in this bill? I think that's some of what Albaro is uh, is getting. No, at. I think we got to fix our current roads. That's just reality. That, like it or not, we've got in Michigan alone, we've got uh, twelve hundred bridges and over 7,300 miles of highway that are in poor condition. They got to get fixed. That's just the reality. And, you know, in Michigan, drivers pay almost $500 per year in costs just because they're driving on roads that need repair. That's sort of a stunning figure. So that's a reality. But we are trying to put, you know, the president's under uh, attack for putting money into Amtrak or trying to improve the rail system. There is a significant amount of money. Would I like to have seen more? Yes, but we couldn't get the votes for that. But you begin, and when you see public transit work, when you see the demand for it, when you get ridership, then you can say to people, it's working. We need to continue to invest. So we begin. You know, and many people, I want to say this, I, when I was at GM, people used to think that GM blocked mass transit. They didn't, and they still support it now. We have got to build a better regional transportation system. That it means we got to find some way to bring our, well, it's more than three counties, but Wayne and Oakland and Macomb are your three basics in Washtenaw, Livingston, Monroe, bring everybody in. People have to get along. People have to figure it out. But maybe we have an economic reason. With this shortage of workers, with the inability of people to get to jobs, maybe where there hasn't been a will before, we will find. Mm. Now there'll be a will and we'll find a way. Mm.
Elbaro, I really appreciate, again, the call and the question. Let's go to Berta in Detroit. Berta, what's on your mind? Well, good morning, Stephen and Congresswoman Dingle. This is Alberta Tinsley to uh, lobby and to all of your listeners. Good morning. <laughs> it's great to hear from you. Thank <laughs> you. I'm alive and kicking. First, I want to thank President Biden and all of the legislators who have supported the infrastructure bill passing. Second, Stephen, you and Congressman Dingle and all of us listeners remember President Biden clearly stating that it was the role that blacks played in his successful election. Mm -hmm. I repeat, it was the role that black Americans played in his successful election. And given that, Congresswoman, I have heard earlier today on NPR them talking about how Wyoming and Alaska and a third state were going to greatly benefit. I don't know the population of blacks in those city states, but I don't think it's quite, you know, quite what I would want to see. <laughs> I will say this. We must find a way to make sure that blacks are highlighted in the $10 billion that are coming to Michigan in particular and across this nation where African-American and blacks live. Hmm. I yeah. am adamant about this. Uh, Alberta, it's I'm an opportunity like never before. Let's make it happen. Yeah, I, I, I'm really glad you called and and raised that that point. And and you're absolutely right. Uh, the the votes that African Americans cast for the president were critical in in the win that he had last November. Uh, and there's a reasonable expectation, even if that weren't the case, that 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 this money would really focus on some of the needs that have gone wanting uh, for such a long time in our, in our community. Uh, Debbie Dingle, how do you respond to that? Well, the, the fact of the matter is, is that there is a roads formula that goes into states, and there are a lot of issues that go into it. Then grant money from DOT, EPA, and others need to be targeted communities that need it the most. And clearly, uh, African-American communities, Hispanic communities, other communities are communities that desperately need to have mass transportation, ways to get to jobs, et cetera. We got to work together to make sure that it is. And one of the things that's truly um, frustrating is that there is still money that was appropriated to the state of Michigan from the American Rescue Plan last December that has still not been authorized by the state legislature. I, I find this quite frustrating that when we at the federal level know that there's a need in Detroit, need, a need in many of my communities that are in my district, uh, the way that the constitution uh, was written, that money that comes into the state of Michigan has to be approved by the state legislature. Now where we can, I'm trying to make sure the money is going directly to counties and to cities. Uh, we're not always able to do that. Uh, but we do need to make sure this money goes where it is needed, where the communities need it, communities that have not gotten to attention traditionally. And we're going to, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be the only person. I encourage everybody to join me. Uh, I am go going to be very detail focused on how the money that we are have authorized to come into our state is actually spent and how we assure it gets to where it actually needs to go. Mm -hmm. And I encourage everybody to encourage the state legislature to not sit on dollars that are desperately needed. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to continue this conversation with Congresswoman Debbie Dingell about infrastructure. We also want to continue to hear from you. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Let us know how you think this trillion dollars, $10 billion here in Michigan, ought to be spent on infrastructure. Uh, let us know whether you're optimistic that this will make a change in some of the long-standing infrastructure problems that we have, especially here in southeast Michigan. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter for comments there, and we'll walk you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDETM. Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Congresswoman Debbie Dingell. She's a Democrat from Dearborn who represents Michigan's 12th Congressional District. We're talking about what happened in Congress last week, the $1 trillion infrastructure package that was passed uh, by both houses of Congress. It is headed today for the president's desk and a signature, and it will become law. We'll start spending that money, making improvements to the physical world that we live in, both above ground and below ground. And here in Michigan, we know really well about the importance of thinking about both of those, as we have had several crises in the recent years uh, that have to do with what's underneath the ground as well as what's on top of it. Uh, we'd love to hear from you during the conversation as well about what you're thinking about infrastructure now that we're about to spend $10 billion here in Michigan improving it. Uh, what kinds of things would you like to see on the list? Uh, what do you think about the idea of having to split this question from the, the bigger social spending bill that uh, that Congress had been had been debating as well. Uh, are you looking maybe more forward to that debate and perhaps the passage uh, of that legislation? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, try to include you that way. Debbie, before we go back to, to callers, uh, I, I do want to follow up just a little on uh, what the question that Alberta Tinsley Talabi <clears throat> was asking when she called in uh, about the things that will benefit uh, African-American communities uh, around the country and here in, in, in Michigan. And it strikes me that a, a lot of the things that are in the Build Back Better proposed les- legislation are really focused on economic opportunity and the kinds of things that will have more of an effect, a direct effect on the economic lives of of many African Americans, that is on tap this week. I know to to, to get started uh, the the debate over that. I wonder if you can talk a little about the prospects that that legislation faces. Uh, is it something that you see a realistic chance for it to pass, or? Do you think severing it from this infrastructure question um, put it in more jeopardy? I think the bill will pass this week. Uh, I know one of my colleagues doesn't agree with me uh, or is worried about it, but I have talked to many of my colleagues, some of who did not vote for it uh, the week before we went home, but have told me that they will vote for it this week. Quite frankly, there are just too many things in this bill that this country needs. Uh, and I, you know, it's it, the Webster Dictionary defines infrastructure, a system or processes that help uh, or that help a country or a corporation or an organization function. And, you know, we know that if workers are not worried Caregiving makes all other work possible, quite frankly. We've had three to four million women who have left the workforce since the pandemic began because there simply isn't child care. And we're not paying. Uh, Also in this bill, quite frankly, I'm very proud of it. It's my bill. It is the Dingle-Casey bill, which will address long-term care for seniors and people with disabilities. There are a million people right now in this country on a wait list for home and community-based care. People should be able to retire with dignity and respect, be able to stay in their own home. And if they need help with taking their medicine or just getting dressed or some simple things, why shouldn't they be able to stay in the home that's been their life, their entire life, the community that they know? Uh, But so many people have had to leave the workforce because of caregiving issues, children, long-term care, sandwich generation. That's in here. Uh, Early uh, pre-K education for three and four-year-olds. We are the only nation in the world that does not 
take care of early childhood education. Mm -hmm. And that, my friends, is a competitive issue right there. If we give every child access to that early education, they will have a different start in life. There are other things in this bill we need. There's not enough money in the infrastructure bill to get where we need to go on electric vehicles. We need to build supply chain resiliency. We need to bring the supply chain back to this country, quite frankly. We've seen we've got shuttered plants in Michigan because we don't have chips and we need to do more on that. There are so many things in this bill. And then we're gonna address global warming. The fact of the matter is, look, Dearborn, I've had eight floods in my city since the end of June. And we need to build up that resiliency. Global climate's real. We see it in Michigan. We see it in the wildfires in California. We see it in the hurricanes uh, in in the South. All this needs to be addressed. And it it needs to be done. It should have been done a while ago. So we've compromised. It isn't. Some would have liked a lot more. Uh, Some would have liked less, but we've compromised at approximately $1.75 billion. uh, It is all paid for. It is not going to add to the debt in any single way. That's a very important factoid. And no one making $400,000 or less will have any increased taxes, will pay anything more. These are important bills to help this country be competitive, to get workers back into the workplace for this country to be resilient. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, Let's go to Christine in Canton. Christine, what's on your mind? Hi. Um, Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to say if our... uh, with the priority of global warming and reducing our carbon footprint, I think uh, the infrastructure issue of public transportation is much higher priority than electric vehicles. Electric vehicles are nice for getting pollution out of cities, but in the end of the day, they are coal-powered vehicles. Mm. The electricity comes from somewhere. So I feel like public transportation is fewer cars on the road, much more uh, greater efficiency and less traffic, less damage to the roads. There's fewer cars, less weight on the roads over long periods of time. And so for and that's a side benefit, but the carbon footprint is a, a huge, huge difference between um, focusing our energy on um, sure. public transport versus electric yeah. vehicles. Thank you. And I'll my, um, Christine, uh, really love that you called, and a uh, 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 great question, Debbie Dingle. What's what's the answer? So, first of all, I mean, it is a great question. Uh, I'm going to do several things here. Uh, one, Christine, there will be no coal-fired power plants in Michigan in a couple of years. All of the utilities are closing them, uh, and that is good. There is money in this bill. Quite frankly, I wish we had done more. Uh, we need to upgrade our power grid, by the way, by 50% and move it to renewable resources. Uh, so there are continued efforts to, I, I mean, one of the reasons Joe Manchin has been as loud as he has been is he does not agree with us on eliminating coal-powered plants, but that's a reality, and the utilities in Michigan are making that a reality. I've got two coal-powered plants that are closing downriver Um uh, in uh, the next year. So one may have, it's closing in River Rouge and Trenton will close next year. And so that's an important step. And they also announced that the Marysville, or not the Marysville, the uh, East China Township plant uh, will cease to operate in the next couple of years. But we do need to move to natural resources, or to um, renewable resources. But I'm also going to say to you, it's got to be both. We do need more regional transportation. We've got to build it out. It costs money, but we've got to invest in it. But the reality is, is not everybody is going to give up their vehicle. Uh, What we do need to do is transition from the internal combustion engine to alternative resources that will reduce the carbon footprint. Electric vehicles are 
one of the ways um, that we do that. But people like their personal mobility. People, as much as we would like to drive people to public transportation for commuting, it's practical, we should do it. Although it, one of the things that's happened worldwide is that in this pandemic, people don't wanna be on public transportation. And we've seen an increase in vehicle purchases, not less. So I want to support public transportation. I want to build it out. But I also want people that are going to want their own vehicle, that are going to be on the road, to be replacing uh, their vehicles with uh, modes of transportation that aren't going to contribute to the carbon footprint. Mm. Okay. Debbie Dingell, Congresswoman from Dearborn, who represents Michigan's 12th congressional uh, congressional district, uh, always great to have you here with us on uh, Detroit Today. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you. Great to be with everybody. Be safe and be healthy. <laughs> right. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be joined by another member of Michigan's congressional delegation, Congressman Dan Kildee, a Democrat from Flint Township, who represents Michigan's 5th District in Washington. He's also a chief deputy whip of the House Democratic Caucus. He is going to join to talk more about the infrastructure bill, but also to talk to us about this settlement in the Flint water crisis and what we will expect in infrastructure changes in cities like Flint uh, from all of this new money. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Bringing you news that matters. Stories that impact your life. Music from the Motor City and around the world. This is 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDETM, Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. We're talking this hour about the infrastructure bill that passed in Washington last week. It's going to be signed by the President of the United States today, at least that's the plan. Uh, we're talking about what all of this money will mean for the state of Michigan, which is on tap to get about $10 billion uh, of that $1 trillion expenditure. Uh, also, what will it mean in the places in our state where we know we have desperate infrastructure needs, places like Flint, Michigan, which had a water crisis six years ago, that still has a profound effect on the people in that city. What about Benton Harbor, which is experiencing its own water crisis uh, that has been going on for quite some time now? What does that mean to spend this kind of money on infrastructure at a time like this? And Will it mean that the people who live in those places will finally get some relief? Joining us now to talk more about the infrastructure bill is Congressman Dan Kildee. He's a Democrat from Flint Township, and he represents Michigan's 5th District in Congress. He's also the chief deputy whip of the House Democratic Caucus. Uh, Dan, welcome back to Detroit Today. Hey, Stephen. Thanks for having me on. So you're planning to attend the infrastructure bill signing today. Talk about how significant you think this will be for Americans and specifically for us here in Michigan. Well, it's a big step forward. You know, frankly, uh, you know, it should be bigger. Uh, the American Society of Civil Engineers says that, uh, that the need for infrastructure improvement to get us into the 21st century is about three or four times what we're doing. But... There's no way to minimize uh, $1.2 trillion is a big down payment on a long overdue need. What it means for us is better roads, bridges, rail to get our products to market, better for our manufacturing base, better for residents, a better quality of life, but also that unseen infrastructure that you were referring to, uh, water and sewer infrastructure, uh, stormwater infrastructure, all really important. But so is broadband, and we have a significant investment in broadband as well. We have a significant investment in Great Lakes cleanup. So, you know, this is uh, a piece of legislation that many of us have been working on for a long time, 
The previous administration declared Infrastructure Week every week for four years. And in his first year, President Biden got the biggest infrastructure bill that we've done over the finish line. And it's it's good news. Mm. That's why we're going to, to uh, witness the bill signing today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, as a member of House Democratic leadership, talk about why the decision had to be made to vote on this bill without taking a final vote on the larger spending bill that includes things like climate change funding, universal pre-K, and four weeks of paid leave. Uh, Talk about leaving that aside and the prospects for reviving that this week when I know you guys are going to start talking about the Build Back Better bill. Is, Is it in more jeopardy now because it was severed? Well, that's, that'll be a question that'll be determined by whether or not we get it over the finish line. But I think for most of us, it became increasingly clear that we had um, a very strong faction within the Democratic caucus that was insisting that we move forward on the Build Back Better. We hadn't come to an agreement, I'm sorry, on the infrastructure bill. We had not come to agreement yet on all the context, contents of the Build Back Better legislation. And we'd made a commitment to get this infrastructure bill over the finish line. We will see. Uh, I'm confident I can take the president at his word that he'll do everything in his power to get this done. But to be clear, it's really not so much on the, on the House. We can pass the bill. Uh, the real question is, what can we get through this 50-50 Senate when we have a couple of senators who are far less enthusiastic about getting this done than the rest of us are. That's really the bottleneck. Yeah, I mean, and we do have this this incredible, I guess, dynamic in in the U.S. Senate where Democrats have a majority, at least on paper, but you do have a couple members of, of that majority, and it's a narrow majority, but you have a couple members who are more conservative and are from places where... Their constituents are more conservative, and I think their fear often is that if they vote for the more progressive elements of the Democratic agenda, that there will be some sort of backlash. They they won't be there any longer uh, representing those those constituents. Give me your sense right now of of how powerful that dynamic is, and whether the Democratic majority has enough uh, stick to I guess, to be able to, to get this over the, the, the finish line in the, in the Senate. Well, I mean, that's the question. And, and the Democratic majority, as you describe it, is a 50-50 Senate with the vice president breaking a tie. So any one Democratic senator, mm-hmm. any single Democratic senator uh, can stop this. And so it's less about the resolve of the whole Democratic Party and the caucus as it is the willingness of these two senators to, uh, to move forward. And I, and I guess the, the one thing that I would suggest they look at is that when looking at each of the elements of the Build Back Better agenda, they're very popular with the public. And I don't mean just with progressives on the left. They're popular with working people, left, right, and center. Um, That's one point. The other point to make is that if they're concerned about being conservative, the most conservative principle that I have heard espoused in the time that I've been here is that we should take responsibility to pay for the things that we do. And that's what we do with Build Back Better. It's a conservative approach. It's probably the most conservative uh, approach that I've seen, even when the Republicans were in charge, they would put big tax cuts for the wealthiest Americans on the credit cards of working people. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do that. We're going to pay for these investments, knowing that there'll even be more uh, return on that investment than the revenues that we'll raise for it, because the economy will improve. Uh, and, and to me, if a person really wants to adhere to it, conservative principles, they should be able to go back to West Virginia or Arizona and say, you know what, we're going to invest in your families, we're going to invest in your future, and we're not going to put any of this on the national debt. We're going to pay our bills. That's pretty That's pretty defensible. Mm-hmm. As always, the number here on the phones is 
1019. That's 313-577-1019. Call and tell us what you think of the infrastructure bill that was passed last week, headed to a signature by President Joe Biden today in Washington. Um, as always, uh, you can also go to Facebook and to Twitter to uh, put comments there, and we'll include you in the conversation that way. Let's go to Bernadette in Old Redford. Bernadette, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephen. My issue about once the money is in the coffers of Michigan, the work being done, one, the contractors who do it, what's their, you know, don't go for the lowest bid. We see what happens uh, when you do. The Lodge Freeway closed for two years, and two years later, it's like it was never done. Mm. You go to Michigan Avenue, those bricks around Tiger Stadium are still there. What are we doing wrong in terms of that? And then when the work is done, can we not close all the streets at the same time and cause <laughs> tremendous road rage? Thanks. <laughs> Bernadette, uh, thanks very much for the call. I, I think the, the issues that you bring up are things that we're all really familiar with here in southeast Michigan. I'm not sure that the culprit is the the, the low bidder uh, issue, but but uh, Dan Kildy, talk about how we get the most value, I guess, out of this kind of money. We do spend a lot of money on infrastructure already in Southeast sure. Michigan, and I think for a lot of us, the frustration is it never seems to make much of a difference. Yeah. Well, the reason it doesn't make a difference is that we've never done enough to keep up with the degree and the pace of deterioration. So even though there are improvements that are made from time to time, the pace of deterioration is greater than the pace of improvement. And so it feels like we're moving in the wrong direction because we're just not doing enough. And, and that's why a bill like the infrastructure bill that we are going to see the president sign today is the first time that we'll actually have enough money to see the net improvement that we've been waiting for for so long. But, you know, the caller makes a good point. We want to make sure that the job's done right. We want to make sure that it supports, you know, living wages. And that's why we include prevailing wage requirements, which substantially increases the likelihood that union building trades workers who get good benefits and good wages mm -hmm. are going to get some of this work. But one more point. It's also the case that the Michigan legislature needs to actually allow the state government spend this money. Mm -hmm. They're sitting on billions of dollars that the federal government has sent to the state of Michigan for all sorts of direct support for families, for infrastructure, for water systems, all that stuff that they have not released because at least everything I see indicates that the Republicans in the Michigan legislature want to deny Joe Biden or Gretchen Whitmer, for that matter, mm -hmm. a chance to succeed. And to me, that's malpractice. That's just political malpractice. We should all be cheering for the state and the country to succeed, no matter who's in charge. And I think it's pretty cynical of the legislature to continue to sit on this money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Mitchell in Farmington Hills. Mitchell, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Hey. Um, so I think that this bill would be good for our state um, because our, our roads are especially bad in Michigan. And as Governor Whitmer, on her speech of our, her campaign getting elected, um, she, needs, she says we need to fix our damn roads. And yet, and yet she's working with some Republicans that uh, don't see this as a problem and don't get this as done as quick enough as we were hoping to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mitchell, uh, great, uh, great point. And you're absolutely right. That is what's holding up the current money that's sitting in Lansing, waiting to be spent. Uh, it is a threat. Uh, to this new uh, to this new money as well. I'm glad you called and and again reinforced that point. Uh, Dan, I I also want to talk about this uh, the 626 million dollar settlement deal for victims of the Flint water crisis. You and I have talked a lot over the past six years about what would make 
the people of Flint whole after what was done to them. Uh, I wonder whether you think this gets us close to that idea of actual recompense. Well, it'll take a lot more than $600 million to make Flint whole. We've got a long, long way to go. Um, You know, these cases um, can be frustrating because I think people expect that they'll get full justice when they go to court. And a settlement like this just doesn't deliver that. It's a measure of justice. It's an indication of responsibility by the state of Michigan in particular, but also these other players. I continue to push that the federal government still has a responsibility. They are a part of a separate set of claims that I've been pushing the federal government to take responsibility for. But no, I, I don't believe that that's sufficient to give people in Flint justice. But I think there are some other specific issues with it. I want to see, for example, more of the money go to Flint residents and less of it uh, to attorney fees. Uh, the idea that a couple hundred million dollars might go to attorney fees is really offensive. And I hope that ultimately the court addresses that as well. Hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to David in Detroit. David, welcome to the show. Hey. Hey. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm really proud of President Biden for coming up with a uh, bipartisan bill, and I'm proud of the Republican Republicans have voted for this, for the good of our country. I think that we need to be thinking about the future in terms of climate change and in terms of shifting populations. I think that Detroit, just for example, has a lot of open spaces, a lot of uh, room. We could put 200,000 people from the coastal areas right in Detroit and not even notice it. Also, we have one of the world's greatest resources in the Great Lakes, uh, a huge repository of fresh water. And I understand that the bill is already has a billion dollars slated towards taking care of the Great Lakes. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. David, I uh, really appreciate the call and the info there. I, you know, this idea of what the future might look like because of climate change here in Michigan, I think it's a really intriguing one, Dan. And, and I think it is not unreasonable for us to start thinking about the possibility that more people will want to live here because of the climate uh, if if we see the things that are changing continue to change in the same way. That's for sure. I mean, obviously, um, climate change is real. The people who deny it are doing it, I think, typically because they have a vested financial interest in denying it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the caller makes a very good point. Over time, and it's up to us to accelerate that time, uh, places such as the Midwest, the Great Lakes region, will be far more attractive than what was once the attractive magnet for development because access to fresh water is a critical element uh, in the future, will be a more critical element in the future. It's necessary for populations. It's necessary for commerce. And I think that sort of underscores the responsibility we have to protect this resource and, you know, to manage it in a way so that it's available to us for as long as we can see into the future. Uh, And and I'm afraid uh, that if we're not thoughtful and careful about managing this incredible asset, the greatest source of fresh water on the planet, really the greatest source of fresh water to the known universe, if we don't manage it well and take care of it, not only do we lose, I think, our soul because the lakes define us in terms of who we are, but we also lose the greatest economic asset that we have, and I think it would be a mistake. And that's why it's so exciting to see such an investment in the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative as a part of the infrastructure bill. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Let's go to Cindy quickly in, in the Cass Corridor. Cindy, what's on your mind? Yeah, uh, I was just going back to the roads. I think that we—it's not just that we're not keeping up. I see them repair a road, and then three years later or something, they got to go back and mm-hmm. work on the same road. Mm-hmm. And I think it might have something to do with the water drainage. 
but I don't. I also think that the people who do that work, the contractors, are a lot of mafia type things that may want to have to keep doing them. But the other thing is, I'd like to see you uh, really separate the stormwater from mm. the uh, sewers mm-hmm. in Detroit, and I, that's a critical thing to do. Plus. If they're going to have to dig, it's expensive to dig for uh, infrastructure. You know, I see DTE come out and make a repair, and there's water in the hole. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's the water department has to come out and repair that. But when you're doing the infrastructure, wouldn't it be better to do everything if you're going to replace stuff and separate the sewer, mm-hmm. do the, the stormwater yeah, that's pipe? A- the a- new development should have to go into a stormwater. Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great then, question, Cindy, how we how we prioritize others. I don't want to cut you off, but we're going to run out of time, and I want to give Dan Kildee a chance to answer. Is that That's a project we've been talking about forever in southeast Michigan. It is, it is terribly expensive. Is this $10 billion that's coming the opportunity to at least get started on something like that? Yeah, it's certainly an opportunity to get started, and I'm glad you mentioned the $10 billion. I just want to make it clear. That is a small portion of what Michigan is likely to receive as a part of this infrastructure bill. It's the portion that we know will come based on existing funding formulas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, if, of course, $10 billion is less than 1% of the $1.2 trillion, and Michigan is certainly a bigger player than, than 1%. Mm-hmm. So as we get into this, this, the communities and the states that have really aggressive plans, like a plan to ensure permanent separation of storm and sanitary sewers. I think we put ourselves in a position to get more of that money when we think big like that. The other thing that the caller mentioned that I do think is worthy of note, it Mm -hmm. does seem as though the repairs that are done to roads only last a few years. Yes. That's true. And it's because it's not being done right with enough money. And we need to do that. And that's why this is such an important bill. Okay. Dan Keldy. Democrat from Flint Township. It's always great to talk with you here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Have fun at the signing ceremony today. All right. (laughs) All right. uh, That's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow and I'm going to talk with Kianga Yamada Taylor, a professor of African American Studies at Princeton. She's the author of Race for Profit, How Banks and the Real Estate Industry Undermine Black Home Ownership. She also recently won a MacArthur Foundation Genius Fellowship.